first, I have heard uh, all through my life, growing up in a Christian home and being in church a lot, I've heard that line. I think all of us have heard that. Maybe you've seen it on a Facebook post. Maybe you've seen it on a, a, a sign on the wall that someone has printed up as a reminder. The, the, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I remember as a kid hearing that, I'll be honest with you, uh, I never understood the context until at some point as I was growing up, reading through my Bible, I realized that this was in the book of Nehemiah. Now let me tell you why that surprises me. I expected that verse to be a challenge on a battlefield. I mean, when you hear someone saying, the joy of the Lord is your strength, I see someone like Joshua or Moses standing on the battlefield, encouraging their troops. Not what we're seeing here. Basically, what we're reading is a church service. The people have gathered in the streets, and they've opened the Word of God, and they're reading the Word of God, and as they read the Word of God, it brings conviction upon God's people. By the way, oh, that it would do that every time we come. You know, sometimes I think we think because a pastor is preaching the word of God that he's up there with this machine gun. No, it's not like that at all. Uh, I have to sit there and get shot at by the Holy Spirit all the hours we're studying and preparing. And oh, we open the word of God and then suddenly conviction comes. By the way, if it doesn't, something's wrong. We open the Word of God and we hear the Word of God. You say, well, you know, I, this preacher, that doesn't matter. It's the Word of God that's quick and living and powerful. And the Word of God will do its job. Listen to me. When you go out soul winning or you're witnessing to someone, don't put as much stock in trying to say the right things and knowing the right book. If you know the right book and you put the Word of God out there, that Word of God pierces deep and will do what flowery words cannot. And that's what we're seeing right here in verse number 10. The people are grieving. Now, I want you to think about this. The wall has been rebuilt. The altar has been set. And they're getting ready to observe the feast. And the people begin to hear the word of God. And suddenly they're weeping. They are grieving because here's what's happened. They've looked into the mirror of the word of God. And now they see themselves. Can I tell you, that is the will of God when we open this book. That we allow the word of God to show us who we are and who God knows we are. I'll, I'll be honest with you. If we're not careful, and I'm guilty of it. There's times in my life I will convince myself I'm not that bad. I'll convince myself that maybe there is some good about me, even though the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. Anything good of all of us is all because of God. Because without him, we could do what? Nothing. And we open the word of God, suddenly we are looking into a mirror and it's showing us who we are. And that hurts. By the way, that's why the devil tries to keep you from the word of God. He does not want you to see you for who you are. He does not want you to look in the mirror. Have you ever got up in the morning, went and looked in the mirror as you're getting ready to get yourself presentable for your day, and looked into that mirror and thought to yourself, whew, it's going to take a little longer today. <clears throat> If, if you've never felt that way, you've probably got a pride problem, all right? You know, you wake up and your hairs are pointing every which way and you've still got the sheet wrinkles across your face. Anybody ever knocked on your door early in the morning? And you wake up and you go run to the door and you're trying to act like you've been up since 5 o'clock in the morning having your devotion time with God. Oh, good to see you, brother. What a blessing it is. And you go back to the back room and you look in the mirror and you got that sheet wrinkle across your face. They know you hadn't been up, 
and you look in that mirror and you realize, oh, my soul, it's going to take a little bit more combing today. I'm going to have to put on a little more makeup. Not me, all right? You ladies, a little more makeup today. Got a little work to do, right? Yeah. All right, now that's the way it is with the Word of God. The Word of God is a mirror. It shows us ourselves. That's why we don't like to read it. That's why there's something inside of us that doesn't want to read it. That's why the devil tries to keep you away from church. Because this is where we open the mirror for all of us to look inside. And we look inside and sometimes, oftentimes in my case, I see things I don't like. And realize how much I come short and realize how much that I've got to work on and how much more like Christ that I need to be in my life. And all of a sudden you begin to be grieved. That's what's happening in verse number 10. They're grieving. But watch this. As the people are grieving and are broken... Nehemiah steps up and tells them something quite odd. He says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Now listen, I've heard all kind of messages on joy, about guarding your joy, about making sure your joy is full, about not losing your joy. Now why is it important that we have joy? Well, it's the end of verse 10. The joy of the Lord is your strength you lose your joy you lose your strength you lose your joy now listen to me you may be strong in and of yourself you may have an intestinal fortitude uh, where you don't give up and you have courage and you're willing to fight hey that's great but I promise you that is a limited resource Life will confront you, life is going to test you and try you, and you're going to get to the place to where all of what you had is gone, and the only strength you have is from the Lord. That's it. That is, that is a resource that can never run dry. The joy of the Lord must be our strength. Now, here's what I want to get to tonight. I've never preached this before. I agree with that principle, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Do you? I hope you do because it's in the Bible, okay? If you don't agree with it, I'm just going to be honest with you, you're wrong, all right? I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength, and if the Bible says it, I believe it. Now, I believe that in principle, but sometimes I wonder how is that possible? How is that possible? How do I make the joy of the Lord my strength? How do we jump? <clears throat> Where were they in verse 7, 8, 9, 10? What were they doing? They were grieving. They were broken. They had seen themselves and they were grieving at who the word showed them they were. They knew the captivity that they came out of was a result of their sin. And they were grieving over that. And so now they're grieving. Nehemiah steps up and says, I want you to be joyful and strong. Now look. It's nice when people tell you that, right? Hey, put on a happy face. But that doesn't make it better. Years ago, I was preaching in uh, Jamaica. And um, uh, one of the phrases they used there, well, this, this guy walks up to me. And this is, he asked me a question I've never been asked before. Here's what he said. He says, how you stay? How you stay? <clears throat> I thought, well, like this. Just stay. How you stay? Well, just like this. I just don't move. That's how you stay, right? I didn't realize what how you stay meant. How you stay in Jamaica means how are you? Hey, how's your day? How are you feeling? How are things going? How you stay? And the word in Jamaica that they use is airi. Airi. 
Idery simply means this. It means everything is all right and everything is fine. And so all over Jamaica, you see the word Iri, Iri, I-R-I-E. I believe that's how they spell it. Iri, Iri. It's everywhere. Everything is fine. Everything is okay. Can I tell you, saying that is one thing, but actually believing it is another. Oftentimes, listen, it's easier to say to put on a happy face. What is the shirt my wife bought me years ago going on vacation? <clears throat> Lion King t-shirt. It says Hakuna Matata. What does that mean, guys? No worries. <laughs> I knew to ask them and not you. The shirt says Hakuna Matata. You have a bad day. Hakuna Matata. No worries. Hey, that is a lot easier said than done. <clears throat> I thought about that when Nehemiah stepped up to the people who are grieving. I mean, the Bible says they are grieving. They're not just sad. They are grieving. And he says to them, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So here's what he says. He says, you are grieving. You are heavy hearted. He says, but you need to be joyful and strong. <clears throat> I'm going to be honest with you. I wondered how on earth you do that. And why is the joy of the Lord our strength? And to be honest with you tonight, I'm going to give you two things. Very simple thought. As I studied verse number 10, I found two things that I believe Nehemiah was saying to those people on this subject of why the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, the Bible says it is, and we know that. But how do we go from where they were to where God wanted them to be by way of the joy of the Lord? I'm, I'm going to show you, okay? Look down, if you will, to verse number uh, 5. The Bible says, and Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. When he opened it, all the people stood up. You look on down, the Bible says in verse number 6, he blessed the Lord. The people said, amen and amen. Verse 8, so they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. And all of a sudden, the people began to weep. You look down at verse 9, the Bible says, Mourn not, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Now, why did they need strength? Why did they need strength? They were grieving. They were weeping. They were broken. Nehemiah steps up and he says, you shouldn't be grieving. You shouldn't be broken. But can I tell you, if you were these people and just went through what they went through, I mean, they came out of captivity, the walls were rebuilt, and now they see themselves that, hey, we made this mess. We made this mess. We are the cause of our heartache, and we are the cause of our grief, and they are just burdened down by that. And I'll be honest, I hate that feeling, but I'm thankful for that because that's what guides us to repentance, that conviction of who we are. So watch what happens. All of a sudden, Nehemiah reminds them that this is a time of joy. Watch what he says, verse 10. Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet. They're preparing for these great feasts, these great opportunities to honor and glorify God for all that God's done. The Bible says, for this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now listen to me tonight, stick with me. What they're honoring and what they're about to celebrate here, the, the feast that they're about to celebrate, the Feast of Trumpets and the Feast of Tabernacles leading up to the Day of Atonement and the Feast of Tabernacles 15 days later where they are honoring and remembering the time they wandered through the wilderness and God took care of them and God blessed them. Here's what Nehemiah is saying. He says, even though, yes, you are grieving, 
And yes, sin caused a mess. Here's what he says. This is a time of celebrating the mercy of God. That's what they were acknowledging. That's what they were celebrating. That's what the holy day was all about. And can I tell you tonight why the joy of the Lord is our strength? Number one, I'm going to explain it to you. It's because God's mercy is greater than our mess. God's mercy is greater than our mess. Stick with me tonight, all right? Imagine being confronted with the reality of your sin. Oh, my soul. The great mess of our city being destroyed. The walls being burned. Remember Nehemiah chapter 1? Great reproach. The walls were burned with fire. And all of a sudden, the people are confronted with the mess that their sin had made. Can I tell you, the grief would be great. Do you remember before you got saved, maybe the preacher or the neighbor or the Sunday school teacher, whoever it was, maybe your parent, took out the word of God and began walking you through maybe the Romans road, and you get to Romans 3.23, and you realize, for all has sinned. And suddenly, the weight of your sin begins bearing down on you. And the wages of sin is death. I don't know how many times I've led somebody to the Lord and we get to those verses and you begin to watch the gears turn in their mind and they realize the price and the mess that sin has caused in their life. Great burden. But wait a minute, wait a minute. Suddenly you realize the great sin in your life and the great need that you have. And then suddenly you begin to be introduced to the mercy of God that was greater than your sin. And then suddenly, watch, you go from being broken and burdened, you go from the place of the weight of your sin weighing down on you, and then you realize, but wait a minute, Nehemiah says, wait, wait, don't let that weigh down on you. This is a time of celebration. We're celebrating the mercy of God. And even though your sin made a mess and your sin was great, the mercy of God was greater than your mess. That's where the joy comes from. When suddenly you realize, yes, listen, oh, have you ever made a mess? Come on now. Me and Brother Richard got to be the only ones in here. You ever made a mess and you're looking at the mess that you have that is there? Maybe you've made a mess in your home or maybe there's a mess with your children. Maybe there's a financial mess in your life and it weighs down on you. How can you have joy in the middle of that? I mean, you look at the credit card debt in America today. It is unbelievable. People have personal messes in their life, financial messes in their life, spiritual messes in their life. And you know what those things are? They're overwhelming and they're grievous. They weigh down on us. You say, okay, how do I have the joy of the Lord right there? Yeah, I got all this mess in my life, these problems in my life. Can I tell you what Nehemiah was telling them? He says, no, 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 this is a, this is a, day, this is a day holy unto the Lord. Here's what Nehemiah is saying. Look around you. Yes, your sin brought down the walls, but the mercy of God raised them up again. And suddenly when you realize no matter the size of your mess, the mercy of God overshadows that. And the mercy of God, just like the grace of God, is sufficient. That's what he's telling them. Sometimes we look at our life and we look at things going on in our life and we're thinking, oh, we are grieved by the burden of the mess. I mean, look, we're living in America in 2023. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, you see folks listening in our country right now who've, who've done nothing 
uh, but be a drag on our country. you got folks who, who do not contribute anything to our country. And my goodness, we roll out the red carpet. And then you've got our own veterans who we can't even feed on our military base. Listen, we got a mess right here. We're living in a mess, and after a while, the weight of the mess that we're living in weighs down on us so where we're grieved. But how does a Christian find strength in those situations? It's from joy. Where does the joy come from? How could Nehemiah say, hey, hakuna matata? That's what he said. Hey, I know you feel low down, dirty, and broken, but the joy of the Lord is your strength. So I think, well, how do we have joy in the midst of a mess, I'll tell you when you realize that God's mercy is greater than your mess. Nehemiah says, look at the walls. Yes, you brought them down with your sin. But the mercy of God and the mercy that God showed us has raised them up again. How do you go from a broken mess to joyfully strong? Recognize God's mercy. Look at God's mercy. You know, when I, I remember when I got saved... Romans 3.23, whoo, that hurt. Romans 6.23, ooh, that hurt. Romans 3.10, whoo, that hurt. The weight of my sin began wearing, weighing down on me. But you know, the, the rest of that verse, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But, I mean, <clears throat> when I lead somebody to the Lord, I try to make sure they know they're lost. Make sure they know they're lost. And that if they don't trust Christ, they're going to die and spend eternity in the devil's hell. And you begin to watch that weigh on them. And then we get the fun part of giving them the second part of Romans 6.23. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you know what comes across their face all of a sudden? Can I just give you a hint? It's joy. What happened? How did you go from the weight of the sin and the weight of the mess that sin causes in your life to having joy in your life? It was because of God's mercy. Listen what the Bible says, 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That verse goes on to say, watch, he hath begotten us unto a lively hope. Begotten as a son, he's begotten us to a hope how did he do that? Well, let me read the middle of the verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope. Listen to me. When we were lost, that's a mess. That's a mess. You've never been in a mess like the one you were in when you were lost. And yet now, watch, we have been begotten unto a lively hope. How did you go from a mess to hope? One word. The Bible says his abundant mercy. What was Nehemiah saying? I'll be honest with you. When I would read that verse, somebody sent me a verse the other day. I'll, I'll be honest. I want to show you some of my carnality, okay? A pastor sent me a verse the other day, Jeremiah 33 3. I know the verse well, all right? That's what I was named after. Call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things thou knowest not. He sent me that verse. I didn't text this back, but I said it out loud. It's not working. You ever done that? I'm on hold. I'm calling, but I'm on hold. You know, I'm not a priority caller. You know, I'm, I'm back down the list a little bit, waiting for my number. You have two minutes until your call will be answered. You know, you're waiting. I'm calling and I'm calling. I haven't got the answer yet that I'm looking for. Sometimes you're thinking, okay, I believe it in principle, but how is it possible? 
I believe in principle that the joy of the Lord is my strength. But these people are broken, they're hurt, and they're grieving. How do you expect them to put on a happy face and suddenly become strong and joyful? Nehemiah says, look around. See the mercy of God. He said, this is a holy day. This is the day we celebrate God's blessings as they go toward Rosh Hashanah, the uh, Day of Atonement, and then they celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. Can I encourage you something tonight? Beware of taking counsel from your mess. Be careful taking counsel from your mess. You'll sit there and you'll look at how heavy and how hard and how bad the weight of whatever the mess you're in. Maybe it's a marriage mess. 50% in our country, you look at it staggering young people are dealing with stuff that i don't know that i even knew about until i was an, an adult and these kids are dealing with it fox news today i believe it was a six-year-old kid takes a gun to school and shoots his teacher and then brags about it six years old six years old my goodness we're living in a world where the mess is, is great the heartache the burden of the mess is great how does a christian have joy in their life and strength in their life. Nehemiah says, understand the mercy of God. That yes, your mess may be great, but God's mercy is greater. Andrew Jackson was the originator of this quote. He's been quoted by Patton and several other generals. But Andrew Jackson says, never take counsel of your fears. Never take counsel of your fears. That means you get to the place where the mess you're in is heavy and is burdened, and you're just like the people there at Israel. You're, you're burdened down. If, if you're not careful, you'll start listening to your fears instead of doing what the Bible says. Look what Hebrews 4 says. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. Mercy. Mercy is when God withholds from us what we do deserve. And no matter how great the problem we have and the mess that we may be in, the Bible says, as a child of God, I have an open door to the very throne of grace that I can find the mercy that I need for the mess that I'm in. I'll tell you, the messes that I get myself in are ones that I get myself in. The problems that I get myself into, I get myself into. And you know, when we get ourselves into a problem, we deserve the consequences of the problem, don't we? Yeah, that's what justice says. Justice says we get the, the ramifications and the consequences for what we've done. And then the fact is we have a God who the Bible says is rich in mercy. And when we deserve the consequences of the mess we're in, he withholds that from us. He holds it back. And even though the mess we may be in may be great, the mercy of God is even greater. I told my daughter today, I was going to tell a story, one that, uh, that she can relate to, one that she likes. She knows the backstory here. Five days before Christmas, 1943, a uh, 21-year-old West Virginia young man was flying his B-17 back on a bombing run for, over Germany. His plane had been shot up. His rear gunner, I believe it was his rear gunner, had been killed. And up there, the plane, the, the press, cabin pressure was out of the plane. And uh, he was laying there dead over his machine gun. And they're limping back to base with, without any help. All of the gunners that were with him were gone. He's by himself, a large B-17, flying over enemy territory. As they are flying, the windows begin to fog up and begin to get frost on the inside of the windows. And they looked out, him and his co-pilot, to the left. And they saw something gray outside their window. 
Uh, now, up in an airplane, that means there's something flying there right beside you. They hoped it was not what they thought it was, and they began to scrape the frost off the window. And as they looked out the left window of their B-17, there was a gray German Messerschmitt. A fighter hovering three feet off of their wing. They are dead to rights. Dead to rights. The plane has no real defense whatsoever anymore. It's shot up. It's riddled. And they're fearing the worst. They began looking out the window of the plane. The, the pilot's name was Charles Brown. Looked out the window of his plane and looked into the cockpit where the enemy was flying the plane that was about to virtually execute them. When they looked out the second time, the German pilot nodded his head and veered off and showed them mercy. Years later, that West Virginia, Virginia pilot, Charlie Brown, would try to find that German pilot that had shown him mercy on that day. 1990, he found him living in Canada, sought him out, they became best friends until they both died the same year in 2008. Mercy won. They looked out their window and they saw that Messerschmitt. I was so worried I was going to say that wrong. Yes, I'm not going to try it again. I watched too many, you know, la you know uh, was it Daffy Duck who always said it wrong? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to sound like Daffy Duck saying the name of that plane. They looked out their window, and they thought to themselves, this is a mess. Our plane is, is wounded. Our gunner's dead. He has us dead to rights. He's three feet off of our wing. It's over. We're dead. And then suddenly, he nodded his head, peeled off, and mercy overshadowed the mess. I want you to understand something. As a Christian, there are going to be days you're in your b 17 flying along in your life and you're going to look out the window of your life and there's that German plane and you think well this is it it's going to shoot me down it's over there's no hope can I tell you no matter the greatness of your mess the mercy of God is greater Lamentations 3 says this it is of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed it's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed look your problems your mess, whatever the mess is in your life, is going to advise you that they're going to do you in. That's what was happening in Nehemiah 8. The people are burdened down by the weight of the mess. And if you take advice from your mess, you'll quit, you'll give up, you'll go home, you'll surrender. But when you realize it's of his mercies that we're not consumed, the Bible says because his compassions fail not. God's still in charge of this thing. Hey, his mercy, just like his grace, is sufficient to carry you from, watch this, fearful and a mess to joyful and strong. So why is the joy of the Lord our strength? I wondered that. Yes, I believe it's possible, but my goodness, how do you do that? Well, number one, you realize God's mercy is greater than our mess. That's why the joy of the Lord is our strength. Ephesians 2, the Bible says, but God who is rich in mercy... For his great love wherewith he loved us, no matter the mess, I can rejoice and be strong. Because as the song we sing sometimes, his mercy is more. His mercy is more. 
His mercy is greater than our mess. Listen to me, folks. It doesn't matter. It may be with our kids. It may be in your marriage or your job or your finances, and you're weighted down by it just like the people were. And they're grieving. What does the Bible say? They just wept, and they're grieving. Nehemiah says, hey, no, no, no. He said, this day is holy unto the Lord. We're recognizing the mercy of God. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Number one tonight, why is the joy of the Lord our strength? It's because God's mercy is greater than our mess. Number two, if you would look down, the Bible says, verse number 11, the Levites stilled all the people, saying, hold your peace, for the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. Verse 12, and all the people went their way to eat. Stop right there. Have you ever just gone from broken and down and out and in a mess and feeling grieved and then suddenly now, hey, let's go get something to eat. Now, I know that food solves all problems. It does for me. I mean, i got to tell you something. You're thinking, you know, it's just a bad day. Let's get something to eat. You know, it's 100 degrees. Let's go get something to eat. Stock market's down today. Let's go get something to eat. This makes everything better. Go to Golden Corral. Everybody can just spread out and get what they want. It's like a switch was flipped. They're grieving in verse 11. Verse 12, they went their way. Do you know, do you know what you want the most when you are grieving over the weight of whatever the mess is? You just want to be able to go along your way. Brother Aaron and I were talking the other day about Esther. The Bible says that after God's people were delivered from that mess, I love the verse, the Bible says they had a good day. A good day. Do you know when you're in the middle of a mess, do you know what you long for? Just a good day. Doesn't have to be a great day, just a good day. Just want a good day. I want to be able to do what they did down there in verse number 12, or verse number 11, the Bible says, and the people went their way, move on. Watch this, and all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions, watch this, and to make great mirth. That word means gladness and joy. You're thinking, how? How do you go from grieving and being burdened and then suddenly making mirth or having joy? They're singing. How do you go from sadness to singing? I mean, my soul, what is it that bridges the gap from there to there? It reminds me when I was a kid, there was a garbage uh, bag commercial. Don't get mad, get glad. Everybody over 40 answered that. They answered the hukuna matata, and you answered the get glad. You know, don't get mad, get glad. Yeah, easier said than done. Yeah, you want to go from being grieved to singing songs. Listen to me, the only thing that can do that is narcotics. No. Watch. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Number one, you realize, watch, that God's mercy is greater than your mess. Nehemiah says, look around. Look at how merciful God's been. Look at the walls. God raised them up in his mercy. We didn't deserve that. God raised them up in his mercy. And now, number two, and this is the, the second thing I'll give you before we, we're done. Why is the joy of the Lord our strength? Well, suddenly they went in verse 11 being grieved to verse 12 singing. What is it that bridges a gap that is so far? Grief to gladness. Number two. Number two, why is the joy of the Lord our strength? It's because God's grace is greater than our grief. 
God's grace is greater than our grief. Now let me ask you this. Let's do a little review right quick. Where does our strength lie? In our joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Puts it right there. The joy of the Lord. Well, how do you go from grief to joy? Where do you get joy from? Well, number one, you realize, watch, your mess may be great, but God's mercy is greater. Yes, you may be given a bad diagnosis, but all of a sudden you realize that the, the mercy of God and the grace of God is sufficient. It bridges that gap. Now, watch this. The greatest enemy of our joy is grief. There's nothing that will suck the joy out of your life quicker than anything than grief. Grief. What's, what does it say? Look down. Verse 11. The Levites stilled all the people saying, hold your peace for the day is holy. Neither be ye grieved. They were grieved. Verse number 9. The Bible says they were mourning and they were weeping. Grief will suck the joy out of your life. Listen to me. That's what the devil's plan is all along. To steal your joy. Because if he gets your joy, he's got your what? He's got your strength. That's why you can't let him have your joy. He said, well, how do I not let him have my joy when I'm going through a time of grief? You all of a sudden realize the grace of God overshadows your grief. It's sufficient for that. Look, when we were lost, dead in our trespasses and sins, there was no greater grief than that. Being separated from God. And then now we're over here. Watch, we're sons of God. We're heirs and joint heirs with Jesus. How did we go from there to there? It was the very sufficient grace of God. You realize the grace of God overshadows the grief of my sin, and then suddenly there's joy. Matter of fact, we call it the joy unspeakable, don't we? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, listen. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need. Now, oftentimes mercy and grace are traveling companions. Let me show you how they work, okay? Mercy is when God withholds and holds back what we do deserve. Consequences. Consequences. Right now, America is living on mercy. God's holding it back. Why? Because we deserve everything that's coming to us. God's holding it back. God's holding it back. Now watch this. So mercy holds back what we do deserve so that grace can swoop in and fill the void. That's how God works. All of a sudden, his mercy that is greater than our mess is holding back the consequences that are coming our way. And then while that mercy is holding it back, grace fills the void. Isn't that wonderful how God works? And he says, watch this, that grace is what? It is sufficient, Romans 5.20. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. What is sin? That's what made the mess in the first place. You find a mess, you'll find sin. Sin is what makes a mess and separates us from God. But watch, the Bible says where sin did abound. What does that mean? Sometimes the mess is going to abound. The weight is going to be over. Boy, you read David after his sin with Bathsheba. The sin abounded in his life. He was drowning in it. But then suddenly you read Romans 5.20. The Bible says, grace did much more abound. That means grace is always going to be the big brother. 
Sin may come to you and sin may be strong and overwhelming for you, but sin is not overwhelming for grace. Because where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. So watch this. All of a sudden, man, sin is abounding in your life. The mess that you're going through, the weight and the burden of that is, is, is bearing down on you. And it's just about to break you. And then somebody comes along and opens the word of God. And they read to you Romans 5.20. That grace did much more abound. And then suddenly, a smile begins to break across your face. You know what that is? That's joy. That's joy. You realize, watch, it can't break you. It can't overshadow you. It can't overcome you. Grace did much more abound. And then suddenly you're like, aha, you can't beat me. You won't beat me. You know what that's called? Strength. You see how it works? You realize, watch, God's mercy is greater than our mess, and God's grace is greater than our grief, and then suddenly you can't help but smile. Suddenly you can't help but be strong, knowing you are already more than overcomers. If I could get you to remember something in Romans 5.20, it's this phrase, grace did much more. Grace did much more. You say, what do you mean by that? Here's what I mean. You'll sit there, and we wallow in our grief. We do. We're humans. We wallow in our grief and the burden of our mess. We wallow in it. And we're looking at what sin did. Look what sin did to my marriage. Look what sin did to my kids. Look what sin did to my finances. Look what sin did to my joy. Look what sin did to my home. And we see what sin did. Can I just remind you of something tonight? Grace did much more. No matter what sin did. No matter what kind of mess you're in, it doesn't matter. Grace did much more. And then suddenly you realize you've been getting picked on by a spiritual pipsqueak. That's what the devil is. He's a spiritual pipsqueak. Now, to be honest with you, he whoops up on me a lot. But then you realize he's already been defeated. And then you realize, wait a minute, I have the upper hand on you already. Mercy is greater, grace is greater, suddenly joy comes back, and now you're strong. The joy of the Lord is your strength. What's Nehemiah trying to say? Nehemiah says, listen, don't focus on the mess, focus on the mercy. Look at what God's done. Your mess brought the walls down, God's mercy brought the walls up. Your sin brought in the grief, God's grace brought in the joy it's really all just a matter of what we're focus, focusing in on. I love James 4, 6. The Bible says, but he giveth more grace. I, uh, I haven't been to a buffet in a while. You know, COVID, they shut them down for a little while. I hear they're opening back up. I'm going to have to go and check them out, make sure they're still up to speed. I used to love to go to Golden Corral on steak night. You go up to that little window. That guy's got a six-ounce, you know, sirloin. And he's got the audacity to cut it in half. Look, I, it's like I was talking with the ushers the other day, man. I'm just going to stand there with my plate. Look, I'm coming back in five minutes. You might as well go ahead and put it on here now. I'll save you time. 
You're like, good night. You limited me, man. I mean, I guess they're thinking all the walk back and forth is going to discourage you from coming back. I'm like, brother, I'm getting my money's worth. My wife and daughter do not. They eat some macaroni. They eat some chicken. And all of a sudden, I mean, they make money. I got to make up for them. I mean, gosh, it's hard work making up for what they don't eat. You go back up, there's another six-ounce sirloin. He's going to cut it in half and give you that half. I'm serious. I'm just looking at him like, come on, brother. Save us both some time. Because even if you put the whole six-ounce, I'm coming back again. Can I tell you what God, watch this, what God does for you and I? The Bible says when we come to him with a mess and grief, the Bible says he gives more grace. We hold our plate out. And he says, here, I'm, I'm going to give you more grace. I'm going to give you more grace. Do you, do you know what that does for you? What that does for you tonight is all of a sudden it begins giving you joy, knowing that no matter what the devil gives you, God's going to give you more grace. God's going to give you more grace. He said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Smile. Be glad. I wonder to myself, why? Why is the joy of the Lord in your strength? Well, then you begin to realize what he's telling them here. He says, folks, you're focusing on the weight of your mess when you should be focusing on the greatness of God's mercy. God's mercy overshadows that. And then, after you find that mercy, the Bible says, let's come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Tonight, what we need more than anything is to recognize the greatness of the mercy of God and the greatness of His grace. When Paul was grieving over a thorn. Don't know what the thorn was, but Paul had this thorn. It was a thorn in his side, and it hurt. And Paul goes to God three times, would you take it away? Would you take it away? Take it away? It would have been easy for Paul to say, you know what? Gosh, this thorn, I'm just, I'm no. Jesus says, my grace is sufficient for thee. My grace is sufficient for thee. Paul would go on to say this, most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my infirmities. He went from grieving over the thorn to glorying in his infirmities. How did he make the journey? He did it by walking across the bridge of grace. If there are ever two things tonight that you can find joy in, can I tell you what they are? The mercy that is greater than your mess and the grace that is greater than your grief. Suddenly you focus on those two things, the smile begins to come back. The strength begins to come back. And suddenly you understand just why the joy of the Lord is your strength. Tonight, how's your joy? How's your joy? Because you tell me how your joy is, I'll tell you where your strength's at. Tonight, why don't we do what Nehemiah said? Hey, look around, realize, look what God's done. God's been merciful, God's been gracious. When you realize that, you'll realize Truly, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Heads are bowed tonight, eyes are closed. Let's stand together. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Where, how's your joy tonight? How's your joy? How's your strength? Do they go hand in hand? Maybe tonight we need to take a few moments to realize just how great God's mercy has been and how great His grace has been in our life. So we have that joy and the strength that he says we could. Father, I thank you tonight for Nehemiah. I thank you, Father, for the simple message he preached in those few words, reminding them, Father, that 
no matter, Lord, the weight that they were bearing, Lord, whether it be in our lives tonight, maybe not in the same as theirs, but Father, whatever the weight we're bearing, the burden we're bearing, Father, help us to see that your mercy is greater than any mess. And your mercy, Father, withholds oftentimes the true great calamities that come into our life. And, and then, Lord, you substitute that grace that's greater than our sin and greater than our grief. Help us tonight, Father, to go back to the place to recognize what you've done in our lives. Recognize, Father, what you withheld and what you've given. And Father, that we might have the joy that we need to have so we can have the strength that we need to have. Help us, Father, be mighty, Lord, in your goodness and grace tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Our heads are bowed for a few minutes. Eyes are closed. We're just going to have a time together at the altar. Maybe tonight your joy is running low. Let, let that be an emergency. That ought to be an emergency to us tonight. My joy is not what it needs to be. I don't have that joy of the Lord that I used to have. Oh, can I just encourage you tonight, go find that mercy. Focus in on all that God's done. He's a merciful God. He's rich in mercy. Let Him give you that mercy tonight. Let Him give you that grace tonight. It's real. It'll change everything. You'll go from verse 10 where you're grieving to verse 11 where you're singing again. deeper than positive thinking tonight. Way deeper. Praise, praise. Maybe tonight you are like them. Maybe tonight you, you look into the Word of God and it shows you who you are and you're coming up short. You're not what you ought to be. And it weighs on you. Can I tell you, no matter who you are, where you've been, and what you've done, that mercy of God is greater He's rich in mercy. If he would reach Paul, Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. He went from being that Christian killer to a preacher of the gospel. How did he do that? The grace of God. play through this verse and close tonight what a shame it would be for us to leave here and we leave here verse number 11 still grieved when we could leave here tonight going our way great mirth great mirth joy gladness you something tonight. Don't take counsel from your mess. Don't take counsel from your mess. Take counsel from the Word of God and the promises that we have that His grace is sufficient. Aren't you thankful tonight that our Father knows what we need? You know, I'm a dad. I have a daughter and I, I try to 
try to make sure she has what she needs. Volleyball shoes, whatever. Amazon's been busy at our house lately. The Bible says if I'm an earthly dad and I know how to give good things to her, can you just try to imagine how much our Father wants us to have what we need? Tonight, no matter how the weight of our mess, God's mercy is more and his grace is greater. That'll put a smile on any face. That'll help you have the strength that you need to face whatever you have to face tomorrow. Amen. Good to see you here on a Wednesday night. Pray for our people that are out. We got some folks sick. Uh, we got some folks traveling tonight. Young people, don't forget, next or this upcoming Sunday night, we're having end of summer service uh, during the service. And then at our house, we're going to have a cookout of some kind. I don't know what we're having. Uh, Miley says grilled cheese. And that's a lot of grilled cheese to have to cook for all of you. And we'll figure out how we're going to get there and how we're going to get back to save your mom and dad some trip. Uh, trip. Pray for our young people entering their new school year, whether they're here at Central or out in different schools. Pray for them. I pray that our young people are going to walk out of these doors and go to whatever school they're going to and be a witness for the glory of God. And boy, how we need that. Amen. Brother Zach, dismiss us, please. God is so good. Sing it now. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me.